0: Hello and welcome to Radio SGN. I am one of your humble hosts, A.V. Eichenbaum, pronounced they, them, and with me as per usual is Lindsay Anderson eating a snack.
1: Gotta keep that blood sugar up, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Self-care is important. Yes. Uh, Despite literally my entire being (laughs) all the time. (laughs) What's new with you? What you been up to?
1: You know, it's been quite a fun weekend. Celebrated National Dog Day, International Mm. Dog Day on Friday
0: your dog our mascot was on uh, seattle pride's instagram for seattle international pride day. He was the face yeah. of international dog day
1: it was amazing and i didn't even realize until was it you that sent me yeah the it thing? was
0: me
1: yeah i was like oh my gosh she's famous so yeah check out seattle pride instagram for a gorgeous picture of peter patricia patricia in drag so i celebrated international dog day with peter by spoiling him rotten the day before so I took him to pocket beach and he got to swim in the stinky water and then we went to wagon wash and he got a bath which he hated but needed got his little nails done which is very important all you pet owners out there make sure you're clipping your dog's nails regularly and then we went to the Seattle Barkery and got him some chicken hearts because that's his favorite food good
0: taste good taste
1: yeah, he was very spoiled on International Dog Day.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's good to hear. Um, Rebus and I did not celebrate.
1: Well, you got to celebrate International Snail Day.
0: Is there a mollusk appreciation day?
1: Oh, I'm I'm certain of it. There's
0: got to be, right? Yeah. It's same day as non-binary appreciation day. Um, <laughs> this week has been really rough. We're still talking about monkeypox here on the show. I just went to another meeting of the mines with a bunch of local community leaders to try to see how we can best prevent and get the information out about MPV or monkeypox. Before we jump into anything else, I just want to read this out because vaccinations are great, but like Dr. Shaw said, last time it's not a silver bullet and not everyone has access to the vaccines
1: speaking of monkeypox vaccines though yesterday i was walking through capitol hill and there was a pop-up tent just vaccinating people on the street that wanted to get their monkeypox vaccine by seattle central college
0: and that's great i'm glad that those pop-ups are happening but it's not the only way to prevent it so i've got something here from the department of health sent me to read so oh here are some activity risks for transmission If you're around a person who is infected with mpv the highest risk is direct contact with infectious rash scabs or body fluids skin-to-skin contact that is close and prolonged note condoms do not prevent monkeypox transmission and that also includes kissing everybody smooching someone with (laughs) lesions if they are showing signs of lesions counts as close contact sharing items like utensils bedding and towels or toiletries is also high risk for anyone who has a rash if you're sharing a bedroom or a bathroom with them if they've got an unidentified rash you've got to get it checked out as quickly as possible um, if you can seek medical attention moderate risk cuddling and snuggling sharing a bed and attending a crowded indoor party Especially with non-fully clothed people. So all the good parties, you probably want to steer clear of them. I know we were in the dog days of summer. We just had a bunch of really cool events happen, but you got to be on the lookout.
1: What does the Washington Department of Health mean by non-fully clothed? Is this like if you're at the beach in a swimsuit or is this like a mesh party for nudists? You know, what's, wh- where do we draw the line?
0: Both of those okay. qualify. Okay. Because if you have exposed lesions,
1: ah. that's where So cover those virus... lesions up.
0: Right. So if you do have a rash that you don't recognize, you got to bandage them up and get them checked out. Really, that's the best ah. way to deal with it because it's not airborne, really. Uh, yeah. It's lesion-based. It's the fluid in the lesions that transmits the yeah. disease. And so it's not nice. sexually transmitted. But, again, if you're fucking someone and they have lesions somewhere on their body that you're not aware of it can get in your skin you know and yeah. it can and it can infect that way again still not fatal for most people there have only mm-hmm. as of last wednesday been 12 deaths related to mpv globally
1: just my last question cuz i'm very intrigued by this unlike with covid-19 if you do think you have monkeypox you can still go into work right as long as you're you know fully clothed and you know you probably shouldn't
0: you should probably okay. stay home and isolate just like any other illness because it could spread. The thing about it's mm-hmm. it is it's, it won't go over your whole body. It's very localized, this strain of monkeypox. So it stays right where it is. Really highly recommend you don't go out and go clothes shopping if you have it. You know, you don't go out running oh, up yeah. against people. You, you could go to work, but a lot of us, like myself, we take public transit, right? And so you're bumping up against people all the time. Even if you think you're fully clothed, like I'm wearing a tank top with a flannel over it right now. I've got the sleeves rolled up. If I rub up against someone's lesions, that's an exposure risk. Hmm. Here are some low-risk things to do to answer your question. Last thing on the list, if you uh, are around a person who m- may be infected with MPV, at uh, low risk, dancing in a party outside with mostly or fully clothed people. You and I qualify as mostly or fully clothed mm-hmm. at the moment.
1: Just for those listeners at home, um, flannels and sweatshirts. Flannels
0: and sweatshirts. It got down to 60 degrees after being 90 degrees for like two weeks. So we're reveling mm. in the uh, normal sea of the weather. Attending school or work. Again, it's low risk, mm. but it's still a risk. Touching yes. a doorknob. Just like with a cold or whatever, you don't want to touch your eyes or nose or mouth after you've sneezed, you don't want to touch a doorknob without wiping and washing your hands. Germs are everywhere,
1: mm-hmm. and this
0: is just highly transmissible. Traveling through an airport yeah. or on a plane could be a risk. Swimming in a pool or a body of water, low risk, but still a risk. Using restrooms <laughs> or public transit, and visiting a grocery store or a coffee shop. So, you know, like, day-to-day things, if you have any sign of monkeypox isolate, get tested, figure it out, and, um, yeah, so that's no fun, but, uh, it's good to stay informed, and it is currently still affecting gay men most, that does not mean it is only for gay men, but it's currently affecting our communities, the LGBTQ community, the most, um, and so we gotta be on the lookout, and we don't want to, stigmatize it and make it seem like it's only a gay men's virus. I know we have a lot of bisexual women and non-binary individuals who listen to this show. Shout out, NB Crew. (laughs) You guys are at risk too. And we gotta make sure that we stay safe. Uh, Everyone's at risk, currently. So you've been doing a lot of stuff. Having a great weekend, traveling.
1: I have been, yeah. So this weekend, it was kind of a bucket list thing. I wanted to pretend to be a tourist in Seattle. So I dressed up like a stereotypical dad tourist and went down to Pike Place, and it was a fresh hell on a Saturday, as I've heard it described. Oh, yes. I actually went to the aquarium though, which was really fun. Great, because I don't really get a chance to go there that often. Super cute, seeing you know the otters and stuff.
0: I love the Seattle Aquarium. I grew up near the Monterey Bay Aquarium, so we used mm. to get free passes because if you live in the county, oh, you get to go in that for free. Is so cool. And it's one of the best aquariums in the country. It's famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. I didn't even know Seattle had an aquarium until I moved up here. Not that I'm complaining. I do like Mm -hmm. the Seattle aquarium.
1: Well, Tacoma's got an aquarium too. Did you know that? No. (laughs) Yeah, the Point Defiance Aquarium in Tacoma. Is it good? Uh, I don't know. I've never been there. (laughs) I just heard them talking about it yesterday when I was at the Seattle one, but yeah, the Seattle one was super cute, and I was like so jealous of all the kids that grow up over here that get to go like on field trips and stuff to the aquarium. I was like, that is so cool. Like, I did not have fun field trips like that over in eastern Washington. We didn't have, didn't have anything. Yeah, grown
0: up coastal, man. Yeah. It's a real privilege. It's a real joy. <laughs> um, try not to lord it over everybody. Um, you, you can't see this, listeners, but I'm wearing sea glass jewelry exclusively. <laughs> um, in honor of my mother's wedding, I'm going to be flying home to Santa Cruz, and it's a sea glass and beach themed uh, wedding in Carmel by the Sea. Beautiful venue. So, Do
1: you know a lot about sea glass?
0: Um, I know that it's mostly trash that was thrown into the ocean and turned into beautiful
1: yeah, okay, that's what I was jewelry ask. by
0: erosion. Yeah, yeah. Um, my favorite is the radium sea glass that still washes up sometimes that's lightly irradiated. Um, I gave my partner some as a gift because she collects sea glass. Um, she has a bottle of it and if in really really small amounts, it's not dangerous. Mm-hmm. But if you flash a UV light over it, it lights up and other sea glass doesn't. So in her big bottle of sea glass, if she ever wants to figure out which gift I gave her, they're all irradiated. <laughs> they glow in the dark. Actually, it's, it's a more romantic.
1: <laughs> That's cool. Yeah.
0: Um, we got a great show coming up for you. We've got the Gayish Podcast as our guests this week. They've been doing this for a lot longer than we have, and they are just wonderful I'm trying not to say a delight for every cust- <laughs> every person we have. They're just lovely, I, honestly. I love
1: this uh, expansion of vocabulary. I'm-
0: They're fantabulous. <laughs> They're great.
1: They're the cream of the crop.
0: The creme de la creme, Yeah. truly. All that and more after the break.
1: Hi, this is Dr. V Hill with V Hill Family Medicine. Ever wish your doctor knew you by name, understood where you were coming from, and listened to your unique health concerns and worries? I have built just such a practice where the focus is on you and the care delivered is in line with your values and ideals. Learn more about affirming primary care at v. Hill Family Medicine, visit vigilmd.com, or call 253-693-0071.
0: Rose City Comic Con is celebrating its 10th year at the Oregon Convention Center, September 9th through the 11th. Meet some of the comic industry's top artists and creative talent, including writer, artist, and DC Comics chief creative officer, Jim Lee, award-winning comics creator and New York Times bestseller, Brian Michael Bendis, and others. Snap a photo or score an autograph with the hottest celebrity guests, including Star Trek stars Anthony Rapp and Wilson Cruz, Lord of the Rings stars Elijah Wood and Sean Astin, plus many more. 21 or older, hang out with other attendees and special guest artists at the Drink and Draw presented by Dark Horse Comics at Spirit of 77 just down the street from the Convention Center. Rose City Comic Con, September 9th through the 11th at the Oregon Convention Center. Get your tickets at RoseCityComicCon.com. Joining me today via Zoom, I'm very excited for you guys to meet a pair of podcasters from the Gayish Podcast. They've been nominated three years in a row for the Best LGBT Podcast by the Podcast Awards. They've also been featured in BuzzFeed, Oprah Magazine, Queerty, the Houston Chronicle, Hustler, and so many other places. It's wild to have you guys here. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Uh, Please welcome to the show, Mike Johnson and Kyle Getz. Uh, Mike and Kyle, thank you so much for being here on Radio SGN. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. So you guys are Seattle locals, which is fantastic. Seattle is kind of the podcast capital of the U.S., if not the world. We have uh, that what is the podcast festival that we have every year here? Um,
2: well, if we have one, we haven't been invited to it yet. So maybe we can fix that. Not yet. We'll figure it out. <laughs>
0: Definitely. This spot is what's going to get you guys yeah. <laughs> on this show. So how, how long have you guys been doing this show? A while, right?
2: Our anniversary is in April. So this past April was five years for us. We did a little bit of a celebration, but we, we've we been a weekly show for over Five and a half years now, and you can count on one hand of the number of weeks we've missed.
0: Congratulations, five years running. And You guys talk about all sorts of... Th- I'm looking at your website here. Past topics have included depression, daddies, pedophiles, and gay friendship. That's quite a list. Uh <laughs> No holds barred. Yeah, we we talk about
3: different gay stereotypes. So all of those, you know, for some reason, either we fit stereotype, we don't fit the stereotype. We wanted to look into the stereotype a little bit more. So that's the the unifying theme in that seemingly random set of topics.
0: And this last week's episode was about gay and lesbian friendships. Is that a stereotype that I'm unaware of where where folks can't be friends? it might be a generational difference as well. Cause I have a lot of Gen Z listeners and maybe they'd be interested in that
3: like many good podcast episodes, the idea came from a tweet where um, someone was like, you know, talked about being a, a gay couple and walking past a lesbian couple. And like, you know, they were joking about the hatred between like, well, like we were mortal enemies. There is this idea <laughs> that that gays and lesbians can't be friends or are, are not friends. And it's one of those, it's hard to tell whether people are just joking about it. There are some people that are serious about it. So it's this weird vibe. So we had on guests that were a gay and lesbian podcast to talk about their friendship. And we talked about why it's, you know, it's silly.
2: Part of investigating these stereotypes is realizing which ones aren't true. And the idea that gays and lesbians can't be friends is definitely out there. And it's also definitely
0: false. It's like the game Mythbusters or just <laughs> Mythbusters. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I love it. So what brought this into fruition for y'all?
3: Yeah, Mike and I um, had been friends for long before we started this podcast, and I think we both experienced similar things where there are parts of us that didn't totally feel like we fit in with the gay community. There are things that we didn't feel like we did or ways that we didn't feel. It's I, uh, funny, I used to go to Purr while that was uh, still a bar mm-hmm. here, and I remember I would walk through the bar and just feel like I am not this kind of gay and I'm feeling extremely judged and I don't fit in. And a a big part of that is my personal issues. But another part is like, there's, I don't know, there's just a certain gay world out there that you feel like you're supposed to do all these certain things to fit in. And, Mm -hmm. and both Mike and I talked about this a lot and that's, you know, we ended up deciding on the concept for the podcast.
0: I have felt similarly, my position is a little bit different because I, you know, I, I'm non-binary. I clearly am very masculine looking depending on the day. Um, and, uh, I'm omnisexual. So I, I, have been in straight past relationships. I'm in a straight past relationship currently mm-hmm. and I, taking over this newspaper, it's been very different because I don't know if you guys were around, uh, Seattle in the nineties, eighties, you know, early two thousands, but Seattle gay news has a very specific audience and a very specific vibe to it. That is, uh, mostly just gay men. And there are a lot of stereotypes that we've had to undo and a lot of damage that we've had to undo in our, our presence. And it's fascinating to me. I'm, I'm always ready to learn more. I'm always excited to learn more. So I'll definitely have to listen to more of your show
2: yeah kyle and i we were aligned really early on on this idea that take away your gay card is really not helpful and and in fact it is super harmful this whole thing of like oh you don't know share or like pick pick a pick a topic oh you don't know that give me your gay card that's really just rude and alienating and there's no wrong way to be gay there's no like requirement for like get all of your boxes checked in order to be gay enough uh you're enough exactly the way that you are
0: diving into gatekeeping just in general having experienced that in several different communities, do you think it's gotten better or worse over the years? I mean, I
3: I think we're talking about it at a minimum, which I don't know that that was even like a concept that I could understand or or like, you know, I don't think we even like had a name for it. So I think we're naming it and identifying it. And I think mm-hmm. more and more people, you know, believe who people say they are. And I think that's a really big, important movement that's a lot of times things that don't matter to someone else they feel like they have the right to investigate or you know put you under scrutiny and like yeah. you don't have to do that you don't you don't have to prove anything to anyone and i, I yeah i do think that's a newer thing that we're, we're doing now which is great
0: have you experienced this where you're not sure if it's just playful shade or if they're actually throwing you under the bus. Is that a thing that happens more to everybody else?
2: Yeah, I, I very much think intent matters, right? Like, yeah. like I could say things to Kyle that I absolutely would not say to anybody else on Earth. And that's because we've earned the right to poke each other a little bit and yeah. not have it mean anything more than a joke. And But I, I think there's a lot of people that don't understand that. They haven't earned the capital that they need in order to pull off that kind of a jest and have it be, be taken as such.
3: And the gay community, like, that is part of who we are, is making fun of each other, making dark jokes, being... Uh, offensive. Like that that's something that we have culturally done for good reason, because you have to make light of things when things are super shitty. So there's this, yeah, this interesting vibe where it's like, that's kind of part of the game, you know, see a drag queen do any kind of show and she's going to talk shit on someone during her... <laughs> During her set. So it's, I am extremely sensitive and emotional. So that doesn't always fit with me. That doesn't Mm. always like, I know how to go along with it. But that's not always like gonna be the best thing to get me to open up or talk to you or care about
0: you. Are you guys both from Seattle originally? Or you moved from Spokane right
2: I moved from Spokane yeah I, I was married to a woman until I was 30 I didn't come out until I was in, in my 30s and that was after we had moved to Seattle and I sort of saw a gay community which was something I'd not experienced any other place that I'd lived before but I, I I've been in the Seattle area since 2003 so coming up on, on 20 years now
3: and I'm originally from Texas I grew up in in Houston and then I, I went to school in Austin and then moved right when I graduated so I like to think of Austin as my like that was my transition city into going somewhere that was liberal and cool.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like to talk about Seattle-ness a lot on this podcast. You know, I'm a transplant from a small town in California. I don't have to go into it. I'm sure the listeners have heard me go over it a a thousand times. It's nowhere, really. Um, But it's a very different vibe from a Northern California small town, even though they're a little more accepting where I'm from. Seattleness, I loathe to say the Seattle freeze, but it does uh, the Seattleness does affect every aspect of the culture of this city. And it does have a culture despite a lot of people saying it's not that yeah. right. Um, I was hoping to get some insight or, or your take on how Seattleness affects the LGBTQ community as one of the largest in the country.
3: To me, like, uh, part of the like beginning stages of this podcast that I didn't even know when I first moved to Seattle was when I realized that there is a different type of gay than I was used to seeing. And it was when I, uh, I was part of the Microsoft Gay and Lesbian Group, and I remember walking into one of the events, not knowing anyone, trying to look for them, and I could not find them. And that's because I was looking for what I expected out of a gay person, and then come to find out the tech person. Like that look trumped the gay look that I was expecting. (laughs) Like they were wearing cargo shirts and engineering t-shirts. And that blew my mind because I was like not expecting that in a gay person. It's like gay people can look like a lot of things. You know, there are lots of ways that Seattle affects culture, but like fashion is one that I love it here where other places you would have to dress up and always be like on and looking good and, you know, dressed up to go Mm -hmm. out. Like we just don't do that here. And I'm so grateful.
0: Yeah, it's definitely hiking shoes at the opera kind of city. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: yep.
2: I like to tell people when they very first move to Seattle that Seattle will make a lot more sense if you just assume that we are a city of cat people. And what I <laughs> what I mean by that is you can't force a cat to be your friend. If you grab the cat, it's gonna scratch at you and bite you. But like if you hang out with the cat for months or years, then eventually the cat gets used to you and you can chill. And there's also exceptions to every rule. It's not just cat people. There's just a lot more cat people than there are in other cities.
3: Mhm. God, I was at Mad Pub not too long ago and someone just sat down and was like, "Hey, what's up?" And I was like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> I was like, I it, 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 probably what a normal person would do at other gay bars, but sure. I was just like this is, was blow I would like didn't know how to react to someone who confidently walked up and said, "Hello," and started talking to me. The- <laughs>
0: That touched me so. in my soul. <laughs> Just now, that hurt. Like it it hurt me in like the best of ways. Uh, <laughs> what the different gay bars around town, they all have their own mini cultures around them. Like we're at the SGN. We've had a longstanding sort of love hate relationship with neighbors because it was very close to us. Uh, for a long time, we deliver to all these gay bars. We deliver to Madison Pub. I don't know if you pick us up there, but that's okay. Who wants to read a, a newspaper at a bar anyway? <clears throat> and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's each one of them has their own sub subculture. Do you have a favorite that you prefer or do you what's your take on this?
2: I'm a big fan of of not having my ears bleed and being able to have a conversation with someone. So mm. I tend toward Madison Pub. Uh, that's sort of my haunt with cc's maybe being a close second. I think they tend to be an older crowd that mm. is not necessarily quite as image conscious and uh is, is more casual and and quieter so you can have a have a conversation with someone.
3: Yeah, my bars have changed as I've gotten older. I started going to neighbors per and our place as RIP. Um but those partially that was new I was supposed to get drunk and dance like that's those are right. the things that i was that i was expected to do but yeah as i've gotten older with places like mad pub like Cece's, like um pony with also r.i.p to the patio but um the those are more i just don't want to i don't want to do a whole bunch of standing and yeah screaming at people
0: how do you guys feel about the shift in neighborhoods? like it feels like capitol hill is no longer the center pioneer square was the original I've noticed, I think, this sort of sprawl of gay bars, or at least gay-friendly bars with like a lot of flags kind of moving out into the city. How do you feel about that?
3: I've lived in Capitol Hill since I've lived here. So it's been 14 years that I've been here and, and been in Capitol Hill for all but one. So I both love this neighborhood and also I want to hold on to the like queerness of it. And I feel that slipping away sometimes as I've been doing more dressing, more femme, kind of doing some gender exploration of myself. I feel like at one point it would have been very common and very easy to walk out the door like that. Now it doesn't, as I'm doing it, I'm a a little bit like, I'm not, I I feel like I completely stand out from the uh, kind of the rest of most of the rest of the folks that are here. So uh, Yeah. I don't know. I, I both love Capitol Hill because this is where I've been and and kind of, I don't know, wor- worried about it's <laughs> shifting too much.
0: And that's valid. You know, that's a, definitely a fear that I hear a lot. And I'm wondering if the balance is just shifting to a different neighborhood, like a lot of clubs are moving to Soto um, or if it's just sprawling out through the what i've heard a lot is that uh capitol hill is becoming a lot more straight
3: but i think rent prices are just a big part of it like yeah for sure that pushes some of the most interesting people out of the area and yeah so it seems like it's shifting to other (laughs) other neighborhoods in seattle um or you just have to go like there's like a certain line past like maybe it's around piker pine that you go past in capitol hill and then it's more the weirdos that i'm used to
0: Mike, do you have any thoughts on this?
2: I mean, Seattle is not unique. There are these kinds of cycles all over the world all the time. Cities suffer from gentrification cycles. And this influx of money that we've gotten from big tech has maybe accelerated ours, but is largely just a natural thing, right? We have got people of color get priced out. So they go somewhere. And then mm-hmm. we just talked about this on our gay and lesbian episodes. It, uh, apparently, lesbians then follow. And then the gays come. And then straight people are like, oh, that's a great place to live. And so then they, they end up invading. And then and then the cycle. Repeats. You push the people of color out to some other part. And this cycle is, it's not new. It's just maybe going a little bit faster here. And people naturally have anxiety about that, as they will should.
0: Is there anything that you guys wanted to cover before we head out? Our 300th episode is coming
2: up. It's going to be Sunday, September the 18th at 2 p.m. Pacific time. If you go to our Facebook page or to any of our socials, it's all at Gayish Podcast. You can get all of the information. But every 50 episodes, we do a Q&A, and Kyle and I answer questions about our lives, our feelings, the show. So, uh, yeah, check us out for that. 300, it, it feels like quite a milestone, so we're going to have a party. That is
0: quite a milestone. 300 episodes is a huge deal. That's 300 weeks. Yeah. Of, uh, <laughs> I, I don't want to sound, I'm not being sarcastic but i was like quality content for you and it just sounded it is
2: it is all quality it's all amazing
3: (laughs) we have like a hundred good episodes in there so that's that's pretty (laughs) check it out and see if you get the right one like yep
0: (laughs) well fantastic well um thank you so much for being on the show uh we'll have your socials in our show notes is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners before we abscond um I don't know. Being gay is pretty sweet. Keep doing it. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, about it. or yeah, I don't know. We we're, no, that's we're great. Listen to that's us perfect. as a podcast, I guess. But yeah. Definitely. <laughs> we and
2: right. we, we end every one of our episodes on Gayish by saying, "Be butch, be fabulous, be
0: you." And we're back. Thanks once again to the hosts of the Gayish podcast. It is a weekly show. You can check it out. I'll have the link in the show notes. Great to have them on. Lindsay, we have some good news in one of the stories that you are following up on, right? The murder of Brent Wood, which we have discussed on this show.
1: Yeah. You know, I don't know if I would quite say it's good news, uh, because it is still a pretty sad update to the story. But yeah, back in March, we were discussing the murder of a local Seattle man, Brent Wood. He was a member of the LGBTQ community. He was also a member of the houseless community, which, you know, people close to him say is what made him vulnerable to be murdered. His body was found behind the Rite Aid on Broadway in Capitol Hill. He was remembered by friends of his in the community, especially Boys sold Tales, where he would do work occasionally as being, you know, a fun guy, a fashionable guy, somebody with a lot of opinions, and ultimately, you know, a life took way too soon, which statistically is not uncommon in the LGBTQ community, especially for a community that is overly abundant in the houseless community. Uh, You know, statistically, homeless young people, especially like teenagers, are more likely to be LGBTQ because of being thrown out of their their childhood homes, um, not given the same financial support that, you know, other kids should be given, that all kids should be given, uh, because, you know, nobody has to be born. So this this man, Brent Wood, um, he was murdered in March, and recently Seattle police have, with the help of forensic science, found the man that killed him. The man police identified as the murderer of Brentwood was 41-year-old Alexander Jay, who unfortunately is another Seattle local experiencing homelessness. But on top of that, Jay was also struggling with mental health issues. He received a schizophrenia diagnosis shortly after being arrested in April. He was arrested within a week of murdering Wood, although police did not connect him to the murder until recently. But he went on a violent rampage. He assaulted two women in the International District before killing Wood uh, a few hours later and he has been held in custody in jail by police uh, since April when he was arrested. Uh, He was supposed to stand trial shortly after his arrest but because of his schizophrenia diagnosis the judge deemed that he was incompetent to represent himself in trial And instead, he was supposed to be getting treatment at Western Washington State Hospital. But because of all of these health crises, uh, monkeypox, COVID, um, and an influx of people that don't necessarily need to be held at the hospital right now, taking up space, he has not been able to be treated yet. So he is still sitting in jail, but now receiving a stipend of like $250 a day for every day that he goes without treatment. So... I wouldn't say it's justice for Brent Wood necessarily because it just kind of shows the mental health crisis and the homelessness crisis that Seattle is facing and not addressing. But, you know, I think Seattle residents can also breathe easier knowing that there is not a murderer out on the streets still.
0: The folks at Twice Sold Tales did call my desk earlier this week to thank you, Lindsay, for writing the story originally and for getting the word out there about his death. And to thank you for the role that they say that your article had in the arrest of of Alexander J, so maybe it's not a good news story, but it's a li- you know it's a little better than just there's a guy who got murdered, and no one cares. small victories on the show,
1: <laughs> yeah. I am proud of our paper. I think that's the ultimate takeaway that we can get from this story too, is that just because Brent Wood was a homeless man and just because Alexander Jay was a homeless man, it doesn't mean that the life taken was any less important than any other person in Seattle. And these people still deserve... Treatment. They still deserve justice, a fair trial. Just a lack of money doesn't make you less of a human being or deserve less dignity. So. And that
0: is something that all Seattleites need to really nail down into their head. Um,
1: Definitely, yeah. It's not
0: as bad as San Francisco yet, folks, but we're getting there. Let's move on to something a little funnier slash scarier in the <laughs> news lately. Uh, Mike Andrew. Once again, our watchdog reporter wrote about Tucker Carlson, who, for those of you who are not familiar with this bloviating mass (laughs) of gooey, putty, and flesh with a wig on top who pretends to be a human.
1: If you don't know who Tucker Carlson is, I envy you so much, actually.
0: In all seriousness, Tucker Carlson is a mouthpiece of hate and pure misinformation eons past glenn beck (laughs) and his ilk
1: if you listen to tucker carlson talk uh, you just get the energy that like his teeth are constantly dry you know
0: (laughs) he is the andrew tate of boomers
1: yeah maybe not even boomers i'm thinking like if you have a conservative parent they know who he is they probably have sex dreams about him um that's just yeah he's it's just science. Yeah. He's the new um, the new king of Fox News. Bill O'Reilly left because he was also a piece of shit, but like enough allegations came forward that Fox News had to let him go, and now Tucker Carlson is kind of like the Hannah Montana. You know what she was to Disney Channel? Tucker Carlson is to Fox News. Sure. I don't know how to explain it better than that.
0: Why is he in our newspaper this week? Well, it's because he's saying that milk is being used to turn your kids trans. He is saying that people are forcing their kids to be trans by buying American dairy products because he's fucking nuts. And I, I usually, I try to be pretty even keeled <laughs> about this sort of thing. But when it comes to propagandists at this level, I get, I get upset, <laughs> Lindsay. And I, I'm trying not to because I'm in my kitchen and my walls are thin, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated that so many people give in to this blatant disinformation that causes (laughs) fear and causes hate towards the trans community.
1: He's not new to this at all. Like, I mean, I was going to say, if you've been watching Tucker Carlson, but if you've been watching Tucker Carlson, in all honesty, you're not listening to this podcast, so we're not talking to you. Um, But if you are someone that, like, has kept up with him, um, like, unfortunately, I have had to do um, just, you know, as a journalist, he's always kind of popping up there. Um, And also as the child of a Republican who doesn't know how to turn the TV off, Tucker Carlson has been ranting about, you know, the topic of, like, trans children in sports lately. Um trans children getting treatment he he is one of the people that is pushing the narrative that um lgbtq people are groomers and pedophiles and he's so blatantly against like critical race theory in schools and wants like any book that has a gay person in it to be banned
0: every bad idea that the far right has he's expounding upon
1: the unfortunate thing is i don't think he's as dumb as a lot of the people that watch his show Um, I think he knows what he's saying is not true, um, that he's lying, and he says it anyways because it gets him views, it gets him money. Um, This is a man that has made millions off of racism, dog whistles, homophobia, anti-trans rhetoric. He's just kind of like the human scum of the earth, really.
0: Yeah, he's up there in my book with Milo Mm -hmm. Yiannopoulos, Ben Shapiro, They know what they're doing and either they enjoy the power from it or they enjoy the money from it. I believe they actually believe some of what they're saying, but I also think that they know that not all of it's true.
1: He is the man responsible for a story we talked about on here a couple weeks ago um, up in Bellingham. Um a progressive sex store, they were receiving death threats because Tucker Carlson talked about them and said they were grooming children, which is not true, but he uses this flammable rhetoric to ignite his base against people to the point where the woman who owns this store has been receiving threats not only for her, but like her children. She was doxxed, her personal information was released on the internet. And now the stores had to close their doors, possibly indefinitely, because they were targeted by vandals and they smashed every window in the store. And this is all entirely because of Tucker Carlson, who has no consequences for his actions that, you know, have real consequences on people, working class people, small business owners, like Americans. It's just, it's so fucked up.
0: He is the worst thing about propaganda. Mm -hmm. And he is the worst possible version of a journalist.
1: Yeah, I feel like disgusted to even refer to him as a journalist because...
0: Oh, he's not. Yeah. He's he's like Alex Jones.
1: Yeah, he's like a talk talk show host or something. like.
0: I mean, you can be a journalist and be entertaining. We try to do both.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. We, this is
0: an opinionated show. We have our own opinions about things, and we discuss them. There's a difference between telling the truth and laughing at stupidity and laughing at the ridiculousness or futility of the world in which we live and blatantly lying in order to gain power, in order to turn mm-hmm. people against one another for your own capital gain. We don't get paid millions of dollars to come on this show and tell you, hey, the planet's dying and trans Mm -hmm. people are being attacked every day.
1: We should get paid millions of dollars to do it, though.
0: You know, Lindsay, (laughs) if we could, we would. (laughs) Uh, That's step three in my grand master plan.
1: (laughs) Integrity, apparently, is not worth much in this day and age, unfortunately, which is why Tucker Carlson is a millionaire. This whole story came out because an Amish farmer was being featured on his show. And Tucker Carlson made the comment that he thinks Biden wants to put chemicals in milk, which is why the FDA regulates the dairy industry Mm -hmm. um, to make your children transgender. And again, we mentioned this on our TikTok, but this is this is in spite of the fact that I don't know a single LGBTQ person that actually drinks real milk.
0: I'm pretty
1: <laughs> sure non-dairy milk is the official sponsor of the LGBTQ community. So that just goes to show how little Tucker Carlson actually knows about anything.
0: Well, he's saying that it's turning straight kids trans, which is also wild. It's, he's saying that it's a forced transition. That HRT... Yeah is happening via dairy
1: and not via uh, the anti-vaxxers
0: right (laughs) fuck man I'm I'm done I'm so fucking done I'm
1: (laughs) I don't even know where this connection can come from long
0: few years here I know we all have (laughs) like Sisyphus you know And Sard said we can imagine, yeah, we can imagine Sisyphus happy, right? Because he revels in the sort of absurdity of it all. And I think that's completely fucking stupid. I'm just going to go ahead and (laughs) say that. If you're doing something over and over again and it means nothing, that's tragic. It's not a reason to find joy in the world. Tucker Carlson is that boulder.
1: In that he has, like, no sentient brain.
0: (laughs) In that every time we take a few steps forward as a nation, people like Tucker Carlson lie to the public in order to get their agenda so they make more money on the backs of us. And then we get bullied. We get killed. We get our rights taken away. We move back to the bottom of the hill, and it's disgusting. He is the boulder. We, we couldn't be so much better as a country.
1: Oh my gosh, it scares me every day too. As somebody that studied political science, I really try to keep up with this. And you know, the midterms are coming up this November and it is absolutely terrifying in the view that Our country cannot continue as a two-party nation, but neither party is willing to see a split happen Mm. between them because it would mean giving the other party more power if they split their votes. So we're seeing more far-right conservatives rise to power, and the moderates that don't actually even agree with them, you know, that would be like, Tucker Carlson, this is insane— They're still going to vote for Donald Trump. They're still going to vote for Ron DeSantis, who is getting ready to make a possible presidential run in 2024. I like the NPR politics podcast was talking about this they went to Florida and they were interviewing possible voters and a lot of people that voted democrat the last couple elections are saying they would vote for Ron DeSantis because they like him despite the fact that this is the most anti-trans anti-queer person right now like he he's the guy responsible for don't say gay bill he is fully pushing if Lawrence v. Texas is overturned by the Supreme Court. He has laws that he's ready to pass at the drop of a hat to criminalize gay sex and gay marriage. Um, this is a terrifying future that is barreling towards us. And I mean, it's kind of funny to sit back and be like, you know, Tucker Carlson thinks Milk is turning kids trans, but it's also absolutely fucking terrifying because he's not the only person that thinks this. And these people are gaining power because Those in their party that disagree with them are not going to publicly disagree with them. The people that do publicly disagree with them, the Liz Cheneys, are losing their power. They're losing their elections. And Liz Cheney is a fucking awful person too. But to see how detrimental it can be to even go against that fascist far-right base to the career of a moderate Republican. We're seeing the downfall of our country, not to get that bleak. On here, it's been a while since we've been this bleak, but. No,
0: I mean, it's time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's true, you know. People don't think far enough ahead and maybe are not allowed to think far enough ahead because they have to pay their bills, pay rent, work their asses off, uh, work through to exhaustion, both mentally and physically. They're not allowed to think far enough ahead, maybe. Let's give people the benefit of the doubt to actually think these things through. And so every four years, we have this same conversation. Is the pendulum going to keep swinging to the left or to the right? To the left or to the right? How far is it going to go before it snaps back and kills us all? Um, And the problem right now that I see it is the people who are the most prominent on both sides, also just have a fuck ton of money, and mm-hmm. don't actually care about anyone else's well-being, which is why you see people voting against their own party's interests on the left and voting against civil rights, equal rights of people that should, should matter on the right. Yeah. Anyway, we're out of time, Um <laughs> let's... <laughs> It's been real. Let's, let's do this. What is one thing that you are thankful for as we exit this show and the world crumbles around <laughs> us while the world is how it is and we can't really do anything about it except do our best to report the truth and be kind people as often as possible,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we can also find thanks. Right. What What are you thankful for, Lindsay?
1: I am thankful for my little family here in Seattle. That is Isabel, Peter, who is sleeping at my feet right now. He's cuddled up in a little ball. He's so cute, and Oliver, my menace of a cat.
0: Lovely. <laughs> I am thankful for Spelljammers, which just came out for D and D. It's a <laughs> it's an amazing uh, like power metal space opera book set that I'm very excited to use. I did buy the box set despite it being $70. So it's just killing my credit. But hey, I needed I needed it. Holy shit, I needed it. Um, I'm beyond burnt out ladies and gents and they thems. Um, And I feel like I've been burnt out since the eighth grade. (laughs) i had early onset senioritis and uh (laughs) and uh, i just cannot seem to pull my shit together so i'm thankful for that and i'm thankful for a reason to keep going which i find in this community and in this newspaper so yeah you guys mean a lot to me anyway thank you guys so much for listening and stay safe out there again get vaccinated if you can Cover up those lesions. Get them checked out. I'm yawning. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) And um, support your local trans community by um, purchasing whole milk at the grocery store.
0: Don't do that. (laughs) If if it makes your stomach hurt. Um,
1: (laughs) Purchase it. Dump it out if you need to. Use it for baking.
0: Anyway, I... (laughs) Thank you guys so much for listening. I cannot... I can neither condone nor condemn the actions suggested here today when it comes to the dairy industry. If you're still on that oat milk kick, like it's 2020, I prefer soy milk.
1: Soy milk is kind of the worst of the of the dairy, the non-dairy milks. Like I'm going to be real Worst tasting or worst for what? I think worst tasting in my opinion. Yeah, I'm just going by taste, not by what's good for the environment. Okay, we, um, we
0: are going to sign off soon real quick, but I do want to yeah. say... So... I, I drink soy milk because I prefer it, and also it has, like, pseudoestrogen in it, so I, I feel a little bit more, like, in my own body, the chemicals put into it, so that's why I drink it. Oat milk's great, but I sometimes will feel really sick. Um, it's also better, for, like, water-wise, out of all, all of the, like, hemp and oat milk are probably the two best for the environment. Soybeans keep America fucking running. <laughs> Almond milk destroys my home. Almonds are only grown in the U.S. in California and they are the reason for the drought in the middle of our great state. <laughs> but it is very good. I enjoy it. and I don't. But I don't drink it that often. I, yeah. It used to be my go-to because it was a lot cheaper back home because that's where it's from.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say almond, oat, and then like hemp or soy milk.
0: I'm non-dairy agnostic, I guess. But I prefer soy.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: <laughs> hey guys, if you want to send some soy milk to our office, you can find our... <laughs> we, can, we can do a blind taste test on air if you send some soy, oat, and almond milk to our I office. we would love to do that. Um, you can find our address <laughs> online at sgn.org. You can find us at, get this, radio.sgn on Instagram. Changed it so it actually makes <laughs> sense now. So also you can find us on Twitter where we're not active in any way, shape, or form, at Radio SGN. <laughs> you can get us on Facebook and... You can pick us up at over 200 locations all around Seattle, Tacoma, Pierce County, and King County. Go ahead and buy some merch while you're at it. Or if you're listening to us on Spotify or iTunes, give us that five-star rating. If you don't think we're worth five stars, give us that five-star rating anyway so eventually enough people listen to us and know we're bad at what we do. And yeah, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell your frenemies and your mom.
1: Yeah, you owe it to the public.
0: Yeah. You owe it to the public to let people know how much you hate our guts, which happens on Facebook every day, and I have to go through and delete all of those comments. <laughs> Why are you reading a gay newspaper if you hate if you hate the LGBTQ community? Why are you upset about that? The algorithm <laughs> chose you to see this, so maybe do some think about that. Do some soul searching, hate haters, <laughs> hates, <laughs> hates. Um, yeah. Hate no. you anyway, later. We are we're done. We're done. We'll see you in the funny pages.
1: See you later, dairy hater.
0: (laughs) Radio SGN is hosted by A.V. Eichenbaum and Lindsay Anderson and produced by A.V. Eichenbaum. Music for this show was provided by TRG Banks and Jesse Spillane or was provided for free by Anchor. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on sgn.org or wherever you find podcasts.